I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. Coming up on this week's show, how to solve the five-month off-season break in Major League Soccer, why the Bundesliga's elitist attitude hurts German soccer in America, could CBS bring a huge surprise for coverage of the UEFA Champions League, what other leagues could learn from NBC's Premier League FanFest, plus we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, uh, without delving into this uh, by any means, this is going to be our election day special. Well, it's just a yeah. co- coincidence that this podcast is going to be released on the day of the UK election. Lots of uh, implications depending on which way uh, the, the votes go. But, um, but 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 thinking back over this past week, I mean, let's, let's dive into the soccer and then kind of skip the politics because uh, I don't think anyone wants to listen to that stuff, but at least not now. Um what game from this past week uh, did you watch uh, that you loved? I loved Gladbach Bayern. Uh, I know there's no Boris Johnson. Okay, so I will do an election, one election thing. I loved Gary Neville's analysis after Manchester City, Manchester United, and his comments about the Prime Minister. But uh, we'll leave the politics aside now. Uh, Gladbach Bayern. Yeah, and, uh, so I, I, I missed this one, but yeah, tell us about it, Kartik. Yeah, so here in the U.S. with Keith Costigan and Warren Barton call the games. I, I can't stress, for those of you who remember Premier League Warren Barton circa 2011 on Fox Soccer Channel or uh, 2015 Warren Barton uh, uh, circa 2015 in the Champions League, how much better he is now as a as a, uh, a co-commentator. Now, maybe it's being a co-commentator versus being a studio pundit. Maybe that's part of it, but he's really good. He's really dialed in. I think he's called so many Bundesliga game matches now, has a, uh, a natural uh, partnership with Costigan uh, that they, they did a masterful job. And this match was one of the best played matches I've seen in Europe this season. Uh, maybe it wasn't as entertaining as some of the 4-4 and 5-3 and 3-2 games we see every weekend in, in uh, the Bundesliga and the Premier League and, and in La Liga. But it was a, a well-played match, a, a really – uh, good match in, in terms of um, the the, the uh, interest of the crowd. Uh, and obviously Gladbach has a great atmosphere, but also uh, just the way I think the crowd lifted Gladbach in that match. And the broadcast was excellent from Fox. This was on FS1. So you got Lawless in the studio and Ian Joy in the studio. So it was a proper presentation. It very easily could have been on FS2 and been eh, throw away with uh, international uh, the international feed. So uh, part of the, the reason this match was so good is it, it was on FS1. And and when matches are on FS1, I think we have this conversation every week, Chris, they do a good job. When matches are on other Fox channels, it, they're just throwaways. They just flip the switch. So um, this was a good, great match. Good football. Gladbach, top of the table. Uh, they come back and beat Bayern 2-1. Uh, to one, And uh, I, I really enjoyed the broadcast and the match. So I had every intention of watching this match, uh, I think on Thursday or Friday, um, looking ahead, the, the previews for the weekend. This is one of the matches on my list. And then I watched Saturday morning, just, a, I mean, a, a normal ritual for me, as it is for a lot of uh, soccer fans in, in, in the US. 
I watched the early kickoff, which was uh, Everton against Chelsea. I mean, Jim, Jim Proudfoot, Matt Holland. Um, and, and actually, this game was really, really good. I mean, this was uh, full on Duncan Ferguson, some good analysis from, uh, I think there was the two Robbies or, or Kyle. But it, it, whoever was in the studio is good, good stuff. Then I had a uh, leave for maybe about an hour to take uh, one of my daughters to a soccer uh, game down uh, probably about five or ten minutes away from here. I came back. Um, I left the TV on in the house because I wanted my kids to, uh, if they came came across the television, they could watch some more soccer while I was away. <laughs> that's that, that's the kind of dad I am. But anyway, I, I, I came back in and it was Bournemouth against Liverpool and I was sucked right in. I was watching the game, um, watching that one, of course, one-sided match. And then I just realized, and it was too late. It was basically, I missed the, the, um, the Gladbach uh, Bayern game. But that's the thing, Kartik, I think, in many ways about the Premier League is, yes, it's not the best league in the world, but in terms of the coverage, in terms of the, the whole show, the, the, the whole production, uh, in terms of Premier League mornings, um, Premier League Live, my Premier League morning, is that they suck you into the broadcast and it's so easy to stay with that broadcast. I mean, the, the, the 7.30 game between Everton and Chelsea ends exactly at 9.30, exactly at the time that the Bundesliga kicks off on their Saturday morning game. That's the perfect time for a half an hour to watch the Bundesliga and, and then hopefully beyond that point, keep on watching it for the, for the whole 90 minutes. But it's so... I mean, to me, the NBC's coverage is so good that... Sometimes I forget about the Bundesliga. I'm just watching the Premier League, listening to the analysis. And um, one of the other reasons too, Kartik, I mentioned this too, is because one of our... Somebody I admire a lot, somebody who is one of the best commentators in the business, Derek Ray. I mean, Derek Ray oftentimes does commentary for the Premier League and the Bundesliga. Well, he tweeted something out, I think it was during the Bournemouth-Liverpool game, and he said... Um, uh, the Bundesliga simply doesn't need any marketing or advertising this season. Speaks for itself. If you're if you're ignoring it, you're missing out. And to me, yes, sure. The the Bournemouth Liverpool game was a very one sided affair and was not the best example of a Premier League match. But to me, and I and I love Derek Ray. I have a lot of admiration for him. But this tweet sounded incredibly elitist. And, and the reason being be that I think that he's got, got it wrong on this one. Yes, the Bundesliga is one of the best leagues in the world. But that's more the reason to, to, to actually do the advertising and do the marketing. And, and not to say that it doesn't need any advertising or marketing. I mean, I get what Derek was trying to say. is It's so good that people should be watching it and you shouldn't be ignoring it. And if you are ignoring it, you're missing out. Yes, yes. But the reality is we, we know from the TV ratings and from the TV numbers the, the, the number of people watching the Bundesliga is less than 100,000 people, probably for this game. Probably, I don't know, 75,000 people watch this game. The Bournemouth-Liverpool game would have been probably about 500,000 people watching this game. And to, and to me, I, I, guess, I guess what Derek fails to understand is that um, the soccer viewing experience, a lot of it is the connection to the broadcast people, the actual talent in the studio, but it's also a connection to the team's and the clubs and the history. And that's something that's been established over what, a decade or a few decades where a lot of people have grown up watching you know, Liverpool, Man City, even whatever team they support. That connection is there. And with the Bundesliga, except for a very small portion of, of people in, in the US, there is, that, that connection isn't there. Kartik, I know you're a big fan of Derek Ray too, but do you think he was um, uh, on point on this one? Yeah, I think he's definitely on point. I, I don't. I, I, I'm finding it hard to watch the Premier League when I watch the Bundesliga. I think the, I just think the qualities and the and the competitiveness of matches have been that much better this season. That having been said, I understand the Premier League has a lot of uh, has done such a great job of marketing in this country over the course of about 15 to 20 years now. Whereas the Bundesliga, it's the last four or five years. La Liga, it's really been more intense the last four or five years. So I I understand why, but I would also also say, Chris, and I complain about this a lot, there are a lot of Premier League fans in this country who have bought a lot of hype and that they don't want to be exposed to football in other places. They, they just – and if you say you're interested in watching Muchen Gladbach play Bayer Leverkusen, they laugh at you. And they say, well, I mean, uh, Bournemouth and Watford are better than those teams. And they, they – they, and – 
yeah, I guess popular sentiment wins, right? There's no question the Premier League wins the the, the ratings, wins the the, uh, the 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 conversation. There's a lot more tweets from the U.S. about the Premier League than there are about other other professional football leagues from around the world. But I, I I do think a lot of the attitude of American viewers is well, the Premier League is the best, uh, and, and we don't care about anything else, and and that bothers me. And that that doesn't just apply to the Bundesliga. I would say through the years it's been more cognitive dissonance towards La Liga than anything else. And when I would make the point about the quality of La Liga, uh, I would get all kinds of ridiculously, uh, ridiculous myopic arguments thrown back at me. Uh, so yeah. I, I totally get where Derek's coming from. I, I mean, I understand the reasons why the Premier League is more popular, uh, but I, I think that there's just a, whole, a lot of Premier League fans who won't open their eyes to anything other than the Premier League. You think MLS, and I know we complain about MLS fans and U.S. soccer fans a lot, but I, to me, Premier League fans in the U.S., I don't think Premier League fans around the world, I think a lot of the Premier League fans in the U.S are just as bad, if not worse, than MLS fans. That's my opinion. And it's an opinion you know, Chris, I've held for a long time. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, there too, that marketing and advertising does play a big role. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the Premier League is so popular in the United States. That's one of the reasons that uh, NBC... Uh, does such a good job of uh, broadcasting this is that uh, they're a marketing machine, they're an advertising machine. Uh, the Bundesliga is not, and 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 Fox Sports isn't either. And going back right. to Derek's comment about um, it doesn't need marketing or advertising. The Bundesliga is so good; it speaks for itself. I mean, if that's the case, we'd we'd all be driving Volvos, we'd be watching television on on Betamax, and 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 all these things like some of the best quality, the best products in the world. Um, they they don't exist. I mean, just because I mean they're the best in the world. I mean, they really do. You really do need advertising and marketing, and that's something too. And we we talked about this on last week's podcast. Is that Fox fails in the communications department, in the promotion department, in in actually kind of creating a consistent. Uh, broadcasting, so we know when games are. We know, you know, there's a connection with 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 the studio talent. It's all over the place, and and that's one of the reasons why, one of many reasons why, the Bundesliga is not as big as it as it should be. Uh, it should be bigger than what it is, but but it's not. And and to to change that does require advertising, does require marketing. It, and and I, and I know Derek's probably saying this because he's saying it's so good because it, it doesn't even need it when the reality is that that's, I'm sure he knows it too, that it does need some, um, but it needs a lot more than that. If, if anything, it needs more than the Premier League. Um, but um, but yeah, that, it's, that, that's my take on that. So I, I got a little bit upset about that on Saturday morning. My, my, my favourite game of the week, Kartik... Um, was Lazio against Juventus, and this was... Oh, yeah, this is a good one, too. An absolutely incredible game. Uh, Dave Farrar and Stuart Robson commentating. Uh, what a game. It was, it's 1-1. Uh, Cuadrado uh, uh, gets sent off. And then Lazio scores a wonderful goal to make it 2-1 to Lazio. Uh, then Lazio gets a penalty, and uh, Chesney saves it to keep it 2-1 to Lazio. And then a late winner, uh, a late one to make it 3-1 to Lazio. Just a sensational match. Highest quality football I've seen in a long time. Back and forth. Just the passion was was incredible. Um, and great commentary. I, I, I was just so enthusiastic about this game. Uh, absolutely fantastic. The other one, too, just to throw this in, Kartik, was, was not the best technical game, but it was one of the most enjoyable games I've watched other than Lazio against Juventus. And that was the Scottish League Cup final, Celtic against Rangers. Watched this on Sunday morning on uh, BR Live. It was very reminiscent to me of 90s English football. A lot of long balls into the box. Uh, very physical, extremely physical. At, at times, I mean, the, the pitch at Hampden Park looks like a rugby pitch. Um, but uh, And there's no VAR in, in the Scottish League uh, Cup final. Celtic's goal should not have counted. The player was offside when the when the ball was struck. And um, then Fredo Morales wins a penalty for Rangers, and then he misses it. Uh, it could have been the, uh, the equaliser. Um, and uh, it, it, was, it was a good match. It was a really good match. And it was interesting, too, because BT Sport uh, did the broadcast, and that was what BR Live used for this one. And, uh, yeah, Chris Sutton on, on the co-commentary, uh, as annoying as ever. So what about you, Kartik? Uh, anything else that popped out uh, that stood out? 
this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that there was uh, there were a number of uh, entertaining matches during the weekend, and I, I would include Lazio Juventus in that. I, I actually uh, uh, have seen some entertaining games in the championship recently, so I wanted to to mention that that ESPN Plus, even though they're showing fewer championship matches than they did uh, the first year when I guess we're still on ESPN three, right? Then uh, watch ESPN. Uh, they're, they're, they're showing enough and, and there's some good entertaining football going on in that division uh, again this year. And Leeds uh, is on the seven game winning streak. So uh, they, they're good to watch. And West Brom under Slavin Bilic are playing a much more open attacking style. And those are the two top teams. Uh, I mentioned uh, uh, obviously uh, the Roma intermatch, which uh, um, I ended up watching um after the fact on ESPN Plus, uh, I was disgusted. Obviously, I said I think most of our listeners were, and obviously you were, Chris, too, by uh, the Black Friday thing, and had told myself, "Oh, I'm not going to watch Italian football anymore." Uh, then, you know, I held my boycott for like three hours because I decided I wanted to watch this match mm-hmm. after all, and then uh, watched uh, uh, pieces of Lazio uh, Juventus on the weekend. But uh, yeah, so it was a pretty interesting weekend. Yeah, just a couple more things to point out too in terms of some of my uh, highlights or interesting observations from this past week was watching Arsenal against Brighton and uh, Martin Tyler doing the commentary on this one. And just to show you once again too in terms of the impact of VAR and what it's having on commentary is that uh, uh, David Luiz scores for Arsenal and Martin Tyler says he believes Arsenal lead 2-1. So, so something that's really kind of like just really, I mean, yeah. blasé. I mean, not not uh, David uh, David Lewis scores an incredible goal. It's more he believes Arsenal lead two one, only for the goal to be disallowed due to offside, and and not only does it take that the passion out of the players. But it takes that the passion out of the commentary too, because I mean, there, right. there's Martin Tyler in in the past before VAR. Um, I mean, looking at the linesmen, looking at the referees in terms of of, of what they're doing, um, that that would have been a, probably a goal, and, and the goal would have stood, and and he would have been a lot more excited, as would have uh, David Luiz, as would have the the fans in the stadium, as would we, the, the actual viewers. And yeah. then. And then Friday was uh, Ian Joy doing the, the world feed, doing the co-commentary for the Bundesliga, uh, Frankfurt against uh, uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, really good game, actually. This one was uh, 2-2, um, the second game in, in a week from the Bundesliga. That was a really good game. Uh, the Manchester derby, not really much to say about that one, but I will say that um, I mean, TNT uh, midweek during the UEFA Champions League... Uh, I just wonder at this point if they're going through the motions. I mean, what's the incentive for them to try to you mean, try to try hard because they know that they don't have the Champions League. Um, they have it next season, but not the season after that. And and just a, one example of just um, you mean just just the amateur um, really production from them was during the, the Salzburg Liverpool game is in the twenty first minute of the game. You're listening to the commentary. Salzburg's on the attack. It looks like they might score. And all of a sudden, they start playing the UEFA Champions League commercial break music over the top of, of, the, of the commentary. Oh, and I'm like, this... Uh, <laughs> I mean, who's... How, how can a mistake... like? And this is not the first time this has happened. I think it happened last week, too, or the last uh, match week. But um, I don't know if they're asleep at the wheel or, or what. And, and the actual commentary or the actual talent in terms of their analysis pre-match post-match halftime um i'll catch it now and again but it's okay it's nothing special but um i've i've, I've pretty much tuned out and, and i'm pretty much watching uh, zona football from uh to do any in terms of um watching the the champions league and all the goals going in uh not understanding much of the spanish but but still loving the passion and loving the excitement yeah, I mean it's tough. Two uh, DNA has got, got such good coverage right now of Champions League, and they're showing Europa League, which which TNT isn't. Um, I wonder how many people are still um, still on board with with watching Turner. I mean, I guess the ratings are okay, but it, it makes me wonder. I mean, soccer people, I think of many soccer people have made the switch, even if they don't know it's good Spanish. Yeah, well, well, that's that's the question, and that's something I, I mentioned in in the lead uh, to this uh, podcast is that um, could CBS bring a surprise for the coverage of the UEFA Champions League? And you have to wonder, Kartik, if uh, CBS is contemplating 
the possibility, perhaps, of uh, starting up their coverage of the UEFA Champions League maybe a season early. Could they yeah. possibly be thinking about, you know what, you mean, Turner you mean, has one more season after this one to, to show the Champions League. But uh, what if we go to them and, and offer them a, a deal where we will acquire it uh, a year early and then you mean, have, have four years of uh, UEFA Champions League coverage? I mean, how much of an incentive does uh, Turner have to continue it? And, and that's the thing, though, too. I mean, that um, I'm sure CBS could do a really good job pretty quickly. Um, in terms of their infrastructure, in terms of um, their talent that they have available to them, and you know, everything that they do, they could turn that around pretty quickly. And uh, you have to wonder. And again, I haven't heard anything about this. Um, it is interesting still that CBS still has not officially announced their coverage of the UEFA Champions League. Uh, neither has uh, UEFA. Uh, the last I heard was that they were still in the legal side of things in terms of going through all the paperwork. Um, but this delay is interesting. I mean, it could possibly um, paint a picture of CBS perhaps getting it a little bit early. Again, we don't know anything at this point until until we find out some more details. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news. Yeah, and uh, uh, MLS has announced that the next MLS Cup final will be on November 7th, which is earlier than it's been maybe ever. The complaints from many in the MLS community is that the season is now too short and that teams that don't make the playoffs will now have five months off with no soccer. A lot of discussion and debate about this this week, Chris. Uh, in addition, I would uh, I would mention that uh, while there is uh, in MLS the, the requirement or the CBA that teams continue to train uh, through the playoffs, and and they begin training in early January or mid January, excuse me. Uh, there will be uh, months without competitive matches for some teams, unless they schedule friendlies or or, or something else. Yeah, because I mean, you look at the Major League Soccer calendar, and you think that uh, I mean, if a team doesn't make the playoffs and, and they finish their season in late uh, August, early September, um, and then the season doesn't start again until February, I mean, that's that's five months off. Um, What's your solution for this, Kartik? Do you, do you have any thoughts in terms of how they can... Well, the problem, part of the problem is the CBA, because as I said, the CBA restricts when they can train. So uh, when MLS Cup end, it happens on November 7th, MLS teams are done training after that. So the teams that don't make the playoffs, I think a lot of people don't realize this, they continue to train. Now, you could say they're training aimlessly because they don't have a match for however many months, but they continue to train until... Um, the end of the season, the technical end of the season, which is MLS Cup. Then they all start training the same date in mid-January, which is part of the reason why when uh, we talked about the Bundesliga, you and I have both gone to Germany, you more recently than I, uh, in anticipation of German clubs coming to Florida. This year it's going to be Eintracht and Hertha playing at Lang Stadium in St. Petersburg. They always have to play NASL or USL teams. They couldn't play MLS teams because MLS teams are restricted in when they can actually train and play based on their collective bargaining agreement. So they would not be able, Orlando City would not be able to start training until after Hertha Berlin and Eintracht Frankfurt leave. Whereas the Tampa Bay Rowdies can start training whenever. The Fort Lauderdale Strikers, when I worked with them and they played Schalke uh, and Shakhtar Donetsk over their winter breaks, were able to start training January 3rd. Except- Except yeah. except this this January though, which is uh, NYCFC are going to be playing in the Florida Cup. Uh, originally, it was um, I think it was a look at look, yes, look, locomotive, but Moscow. that's after the start date. Ah, so you notice okay. I said it's like yeah, yeah, January yeah, yeah. 12th or 15th. Yeah, the 15th. So the Hertha Berlin yeah. Eintracht matches before that start date. So they couldn't have ah, allowed okay. Orlando or NYCFC to play Eintracht. Right. But I believe that Florida Cup weekend is January 19th or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's right after. So they would have, but they would have only trained for four or five days. But right. the point is, not only are they not uh, playing competitive matches, they're not allowed to train for a big chunk of that time, which means they can't play in friendly. So it's mm-hmm. a really serious problem, Chris, yeah. and it's got to be solved. Yes, CBA aside, I mean, I mean, to me, Kartik, um, the solution to this is get rid of the playoffs. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, I mean, the whole reason for having the playoffs. That Major League Soccer created this was to have something that was familiar to American traditional sports fans, as far as NFL or I mean baseball or, or basketball. I, and in soccer, to me, it doesn't make as much sense. I mean, I mean, I mean, to me, I mean, at this point in time, we're up to what thirty teams. Um, Hercules Gomez, I think today or yesterday, uh, reported that uh, he believes that they're going to stop at thirty-two and have it very similar to the NFL. 
uh, given uh, Don Garber's um, background, who used to work for uh, the NFL in Europe. But whether it's 32 or whether it's 30 or whether it's 36, whatever it goes to, I mean, to me, it's ridiculous that um, they even have the playoffs. I mean, split it into the uh, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, and have it be a league. Have it, have it be that, I mean, those teams from that conference play each other. And, uh, I mean, the, the top team wins wins the Western Conference League. The, the, the top team in the other league wins the Eastern Conference League. And, and maybe you have a final between the two. But, I mean, make it competitive throughout the entire season rather than fans tuning out, I mean, basically, what, for most of the regular season because, I mean, there's not much of an incentive to watch it if most of the teams are going to make the playoffs anyway. But anyway, that, that's my take. I mean, the CBA de- definitely has to be addressed. There's a lot of issues in terms of... Uh, um, charter flights and, and, and lots of other things that uh, hopefully the MLS um, Players Union will push pretty heavy on this one. But, <laughs> you you um, know what's going to happen, though? Don Garver is going to claim uh, cry poverty, you know. When oh, they, he already has. <laughs> he already <laughs> has. Yeah. Up. Yeah. We, we know it. We already know right. how this is going to play out. But yeah. I hope the Players Union's a little stronger this time. Yeah, and a little bit smarter, too, I think. Um, all right, let's move on to the next news item, Kartik. What do the names Nigel Rio Coca and Jay Demerit say to you, Kartik? They say to me two guys that have played both in the Premier League and in MLS. Um, uh, what else? Nigel Rio Coca came through West Ham's academy. I, I don't know. Uh, where, where's the uh, the correlation? All right. Well, uh, these two blokes and and many more are going to be at the uh, the Premier League Fan Fest this weekend in Miami, uh, Miami Beach. Uh, would you go to see Nigel Rio Coca? Uh, no, I, mean, I saw him play. I saw him play with both West Ham. Oh, did I, I saw him. Yeah, I saw him play with West Ham, and I saw him play with the Montreal. Was with the Montreal Impact? He I played think, with. I he played so. for a couple of teams yeah, in MLS, teams. right? Right. Yeah. 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 And it was important. Yeah. And then, which and then Jay Demerit. Jay Demerit is re- really cool. I think that's a, yeah. that's a good get for the fan fest. I just don't know that Nigel Rio Coker is is particularly uh, <laughs> is particularly interesting for yeah. anyone. Well the, um, well, the interesting thing, he lives in Florida, which I, I didn't know until recently. Um, the, the reason I mentioned this this in terms, it's not going to be about Nigel Rio Coker and Jay Demerit, even though they're both, uh, I mean, fantastic uh, ex-professionals. But um, I'll, I'll be there, Kartik. I know that I'll be there Friday to do some interviews. And then there in Miami Beach, Saturday and Sunday. This will be my first Premier League fan fest, um, and it's coming. I mean, it's coming to Florida, so I have to go. Uh, are you busy this weekend, or are you going to be going? Um, it, it appears like I'm not going to be going. I was g- going to be going until this afternoon, and uh, uh, two new two things popped up at my uh, work at Player Maker. One is the uh, uh, one is uh, uh, a demo we're doing, and the second thing is a U.S. club soccer. I might still make it, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay. All right. uh, yeah, and actually, I should mention U.S. club soccer thing is is uh, they, they're in partnership with La Liga, who has opened an academy in Miami. So uh, in a way, the Premier League is invading La Liga's <laughs> turf. La Liga has, has put a, a marker in the ground uh, in this area. They've got their, their league's first academy in, in in North America, in Miami, uh, Valencia, which is obviously one of the big clubs, already has an academy in uh, in Pembroke Pines uh, nearby, and uh, Barcelona has an academy here. So uh, it is kind of La Liga territory they're invading, and, and of course, the Inn uh, is based in Miami, and they, they're La Liga's partner and broadcaster. Yep. And one more news item, Kartik, before we move on. Yeah. So Red B and Spring Media have launched a women's football uh, streaming f- service, which. Uh, uh, is uh, big, big news. Uh, w United is what it's called. And um, this is going to give uh, a global reach. It's going to be a global service, and it's an OTT service, which is dedicated exclusively to women's football. It'll be the first one like that. So kind of an exciting development. Uh, and it's called, uh, if I remember, it's called W United, yes. That's right. Yeah, it's going to launch in uh, the first quarter of 2020. Uh, it's going to offer over 300 live matches, highlights, uh, catch-up shows, and yeah. documentaries uh, covering uh, women's football from around the world. So that, that'll be interesting to see if it's going to be a paid service or a free service. Because, um, yeah, look, I, I, I have to admit, um, and this is uh, something that uh, uh, maybe a lot of people miss. I mean, I, I think people who follow me on Twitter notice I'm tweeting a lot more about the WSL in, the UK, in England mm-hmm. this year. And it's because I have the FA player 
which is a free streaming service yep. uh, that uh, the FA got behind in promoting the women's game in in, uh, in England. So the English FA. I think right now there's an accessibility thing with women's football where they're trying to make everything free. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm loving it. I'm consuming so much more women's football content than I did, let's say, two years ago, two or three years ago. Um so I, I think this might be free, and they, they're, they're promising documentaries. They're promising bumper programs. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on to TV ratings and uh, some big ones out of uh, Liga MX in the United States. Uh, 1.3 million people tuned in to watch uh, Nakaxa against Monterrey on Univision and uh, Tuduene on Saturday night, which was the second leg of the semifinal, uh, Monterrey advancing there. Then we had uh, Club America against uh, Monarchus uh, Morelia on Tuduene on Sunday night and uh, Club America uh, advancing from there. So now we have the Monterey against Club America final of the Liga MX, which is going to start on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, December 26, and then uh, finish up on that Sunday uh, in what should be uh, a massive audience, I'm sure, on Univision. One more number for me, Kartik, unless there's anything else that jumps out at you, but that's uh, the Manchester Derby. This one was on NBCSN. It wasn't on the over-the-air NBC network because I think it was golf was on, I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah, the Tiger Woods tournament, the uh, hero. Right. So the, so the Man City-Man United game on NBCSN and Telemundo uh, averaged 999,000 viewers, so just short of a, a million viewers, which is... Pretty darn impressive, given that um, it was on NBCSN and not over the uh, NBC. Yeah, that's a high watermark for NBC and uh, for NBCSN. And uh, by the way, that's more viewers than the NBC match the previous week got between Watford and uh, Southampton. Southampton, I believe it was. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's move on to the listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Chris Day. Hi, Christopher and Kartik. Was listening to last week's podcast about NBCSN's overlapping coverage of the midweek games. Agreed with you that Tuesdays and Wednesdays were excellent and it was great to have some bonus coverage. However, had a question concern about Thursday. I wasn't watching live but caught up on Thursday evening after a long day at work and the last few minutes of the Arsenal-Brighton match were cut off. My DVR recording went straight to their car auction program about around the 88th minute mark and thus I was left in the dark about the ending. Did anyone else experience this or was it just something strange with the DVR uh, using Sling? Missed the podcast not being on for a couple of weeks, so glad to have you guys back as part of my uh, my end of the work week routine. Well, Chris, thanks for uh, uh, having us be part of your routine. Um, in, in answer to your question there, I mean, I was watching the live match and um, we saw the full 90 minutes and, and then post-match. I can only just think that maybe it was just a mistake either on the NBCSN side or on Sling side where um, the timing of when it was supposed to end um, ended abruptly. Um, so it may may have been, I, I can't even remember now, but maybe there was a, um, an injury in this game and maybe it went into injury time a little bit longer than usual. And um, I mean, it, a lot of it is based kind of is automated that there's nobody there actually stopping it. Uh, stopping the recording right at at the end of the game. Next up is Dana Miner. Uh, Dana says, I know this may be outside your remit, but have you ever thought of doing something on the growth of fan-generated punditry and its dis- a disruptive effect? I'm referring specifically to Arsenal Fan TV and the backlash it seems to have generated amongst the pundit class in England. Last year, Phil Neville attacked the channel, and just last week, the failed former owner of Crystal Palace, which I'm guessing is Simon Jordan, attacked the channel and called the fans who comment on YouTube morons. The success of Arsenal Fan TV has spawned several imitators like Redmond TV. Do you think the growth of these influencers is going to have an effect, good or bad, on the media landscape? Kartik, uh, you want to take have a first crack at this? Yeah, I um, I've gone back and forth on it myself. You know, I, I and and there are more and more, and actually there are apps now coming up and 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 services that uh, that promote fan punditry and fan alternative fan commentary. Um, I, I I I'm I'm of two minds about it, and maybe it's it's me being both kind of uh, in the in the media world and at the same time a fan. 
but um, I see this from both sides. Uh, I do understand the attacks on it, uh, but I, I, the thing I will say is that there's a, there's a growing proliferation, so uh, expect more of it rather than less into the future. Yeah, I, I'm all for it personally. I, I think Redmen TV, I've watched that one quite a few times, and, and uh, they do some really good work, um, some good interviews. I think I watched one recently, I think last week, about uh, Anfield and the expansion of, of the stadium, uh, where they interviewed, I think, one of the, um, it probably wasn't an architect, but one of the people uh, responsible for uh, managing the project. That was good. Arsenal Fan TV, um, I think I've spoken to Rob in the past, that, that runs Arsenal Fan TV, and um, really kind of a trendsetter in terms of what he was doing. Yes, a lot of people make fun of it and kind of think it went overboard. A lot of it is because of the characters uh, in the in the crowd. Um, some of them which are really funny some of them are really peculiar to say the least um, overall though I, I think it's it's positive I mean I mean Lawrence McKenna who used to host this podcast um, now does several d- different uh, kind of uh, basically kind of fan punditry whether it's um, the true Geordie or, or other types of shows um, they're informative it, it, in many ways sometimes they're better than broadcast television and I think that's part of the reason, too, that there's, there has been a little bit of backlash. So um, I think Dana mentions, uh, I, th- I think it's Simon Jordan, who is now on Talk Sport. But I can see Simon saying something like that just to be, because he feels probably threatened that uh, some of these fans know more about the game than, than he does, or they may have some, <laughs> some better opinions. I mean, because if, li- if you listen to him on Talk Sport, he's full of himself. Yes. Oh, he's, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I mean he, he has some good things to say now and again, but... but I mean, Phil Neville, I respect a lot more in terms of uh, his knowledge and, and his um, tactical uh, analysis as a co-commentator. It's been a while since we've had a chance to listen to him. But you mean, I, I'm not sure in particular what, uh, what why he attacked the channel. Uh, but overall, I, th- I think in some ways that the, the, the traditional broadcasters feel threatened that these fans have, in many times, in many ways, more of a... Uh, actual a base more of a viewership than some of the television stations have if you look at some of these broadcasts i mean look at some of the broadcasts you look at some of the shows that fox does in terms of uh broadcasting i don't know the club world cup the fifa club world cup and how many viewers are watching a, a game and then compare that to some of the youtube channels um even on the soccer side and how many viewers how many views that those get those are far greater than than some of the, the actual match coverage of some of the games so, um, good question, Dana. It's definitely it's within within our remit, and um, we haven't done anything in depth. But this this is uh, this is pretty in depth in terms of our uh, honest feedback. Le- next up is uh, Leonard, and he says uh, a lot of people were impressed by Amazon's coverage of the Premier League midweek in the UK. Uh, on Amazon Prime Video, but I personally was a little little bit disappointed, and and here's why. I watched the game between the uh, Liverpool and Everton, and planned to watch the match between Man United and Spurs later, but throughout the game, the commentator reported all the changes that occurred in the other games. It was not a studio after the game, or during the break, and it was not possible to escape the spoilers, and and that's something too that. Um, I mean, we, we've been experiencing this for like, what, a decade um, through Fox Soccer Channel originally and even through ESPN and, and now through NBC in terms of spoilers. Uh, at this point in time, we've gotten accustomed to that because we have had access to all the games. And this uh, comment from Leonard is kind of a an example of um, something that the, the Brits aren't used to. They aren't used to having access to every single game that's being played at the same time. They're used to the BBC Match of the Day experience where uh, BBC will go out of their way, not to mention any of the scores of any of the games, uh, who won what, um, uh, until the, the broadcast of Match of the Day later in that day. So it, it's a completely different experience and uh, probably something that Amazon may have may not have been actually aware of that it was a, it would be a big deal, but I can imagine too in the UK it would be a very big deal. Next up, uh, Kartik, I'll have you take off uh, t- take this one. Uh, it's from the original Tom. Would you please talk about the FIFA Club World Cup? I'd also be interested in your thoughts about this competition. They uh, they obviously want to make it a much bigger deal, uh, FIFA, than they have, and Erks are uh, in the process of expanding it. Although there's been some pushback on that, obviously. Uh, I um 
I've just never gotten interested in this for some reason. I mean, maybe I will when they when it becomes a summer event, but then it just adds more fixture congestion. Twenty twenty one is is when that uh, is going to uh, supposedly happen. Um, I don't know. It's just something that that it also throws off the fixture. Uh, fixtures for teams in Europe, the one European team, and it comes right after the Copa Lib final, so it's almost anticlimactic a lot of times for the South American uh, uh, Copa Libertadores final winner. So uh, I've never really gotten into it, to be honest with you. Did you ever get into the uh, Inter- Intercontinental Cup? Yeah, that was I did. That was a one-off game. It was between uh, the European winner and the uh, South American winner. It was between the Champions League winner and the uh, winner of Copa Libertadores. It That's was right. in Tokyo, yeah. and I and I uh, I actually did like that match. That thing. I think this Club World Cup thing. It, it's it, like I said, it's anticlimactic. Although there was a uh, recently, right? There was an African team that got, or, or a team from uh, Africa or, or Asia that got to the final. Um, yeah, I think it was the last one where it was. Uh, it could have been Real Madrid against River Plate, if I remember correctly, and it ended up being I think um, a, a, a River Plate against somebody else, or maybe River Plate got knocked out in the semifinals. But, but yeah, but, but but that's my thing. The Kartik is if I ask um, someone someone from South America, if someone who's mass big into soccer, and I'll mention kind of the the Intercontinental Cup or the FIFA Club World Cup, and not to stereotype, but they make a big deal out of it. This is a big deal. This is like, oh my gosh, a match between the, the European champion and, and the South American champion in the Inter- Intercontinental Cup played in the early 2000s. Massive, you mean huge. Forever and ever, no one in Europe cares about this. There's absolutely zero interest in this um, in a game that's been played, you mean, during the middle of the season. I mean, next week, it's yep. Liverpool plays on, what, a Tuesday in the League Cup, and then they yep. play the, the next day in the uh, the FIFA Club World Cup. They're taking yeah, they're two squads. Right? right. They're their team. But, but, but even if they didn't have to split their team, there would be zero interest in this tournament. Um, right. It, it, to me, at the end of the day, what, it, what this is, is FIFA saying, hey, we've seen this International Champions Cup, ICC, taking off and yes last year they didn't do so well but in previous years this this has become the thing where it's a competition worldwide with the best teams from around the world playing and yes it isn't perfect by any means but this is the FIFA coming into this and saying, hey, we want to get in on this game. Well, yeah, they need more European teams in it to make it relevant uh, to, a gr- to a grander audience <laughs> no pun, so no that's why intended. they're doing that. Right. Yeah. So, so, so going back to the original Tom um, yeah, I mean, the games have kicked off on the Wednesday and uh, Liverpool will play next week, Flamengo plays next week. Um, I just have very little interest in this. And uh, if, if if listeners do have interest in this, I have no complaints about that. More power to you. I just have, you know, this this has no relevance to me. If Liverpool wins it, it doesn't change anything. I mean, I, I don't have any more appreciation for Liverpool because they, they do that. I mean, it's rather... Meaningless. I don't even remember who won, who won it. I know some, some years the Copa Lib winner wins it, some years it's the Champions League usually, winner. You know it's, it's one usually, or the other, right? It's usually the South American teams that win it, though. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think it's more often than not the South American teams. Yeah. And, last year, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, and that, that's something, too. Maybe a couple of years ago, I was speaking to, I think, uh, Juan Arango, who's been on this podcast many times, uh, and works for Tuduene and has worked for ESPN in the in, in the past. And we had this discussion too about that. And he was saying like, "Oh, isn't it incredible that the South American teams just keep on beating the European teams?" And I said, "Nobody cares. I mean, nobody. The European teams don't care. The players don't care. Um, it's it's meaningless." All right. No, I, I think it's like international football in general. I mean, international football in non tournament situations are a lot more uh are taken a lot more seriously by fans in south america than they are by fans in europe yeah uh, and i'm talking except, including qualifiers in that except i think this whole brazil world tour that they've been doing now for like what five years i mean where they just i mean basically haven't played in brazil for it seems like eons right. and playing in I don't know, england or playing in sweden and playing in doha i think i think that's diluted it a lot um, yeah I mean, every every international break at this point, it seems that uh, Brazil plays Argentina. No, I was Uruguay. about to say, yeah, that's over. Mean, it's, that it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, oversaturation there, definitely. Last but not least, Robert says, uh, Christopher again mentioned MLS not using promotion relegation. Well, since they are franchises that are mentioned um, that go for hundreds of millions of dollars in expansion fees in Major League Soccer, 
and the USL franchises go for $10 million. How would that work? The setup in the US is not the same as in other leagues. So why is this topic not put to rest? Perhaps if American teams were more successful in developing players, if American uh, teams were more successful in international competition, if uh, cities that had lower division teams and well-supported lower division teams were able to to, to, to sustain that level of support and investment uh, in a closed system, perhaps this discussion would go away. But uh, yeah, they are franchises. Actually, MLS teams are not franchises. They're, uh, they're clubs in a single entity model. USL, the second division, does have fran- is a franchise-based league like NFL, NBA, NHL. The construct of MLS is completely different than even American pro sports leagues. Uh, but yeah, uh, but one is a franchise-based league, one's a single entity-based league, so it's difficult to do pro-rel uh, in franchise-based leagues or single entity-based leagues. But those leagues are underperforming uh, what the uh, experts believe they would perform as optimally, optimally as business in an open market. And there is a player development problem in this country. There is a problem in terms of our performances for those clubs, uh, those MLS clubs and international tournaments because of the roster restrictions that come with the single entity model. So that's why the debate's not put to bed. The debate will never be put to bed until the United States performs consistently better in international tournaments. MLS teams perform consistently better in international tournaments. And the uh, uh, television ratings uh, are, uh, are are where they need to be uh, in order for these leagues to generate lots of television revenue like other leagues in this country and other sports do and football leagues around the world. So my take on this is a little bit different, Kartik, in, in that um, why should we care about these franchise owners anyway. I mean, it's almost like a charity case where, you mean, soccer fans in the United States are kind of brainwashed into thinking like, oh, no, 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 we, we have to protect these these multi-billionaires to make sure that they don't go out of business or that they don't lose any money. Like, no, 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 we, we can't change anything because if, if we change something that uh, if, uh, you know, the Kraft family uh, gets rid of the New England revolution, you mean, soccer in, in Connecticut is going gonna, is gonna to just crash and, you mean, the, the future of soccer in the United States it's going to be in peril, which is absolutely ridiculous, though, too, that that's an average soccer fan of a fan of Major League Soccer has such a concern for these multi-billionaires that they, they want to protect everything and, and help them out when it's almost like a charity case that, that the way they're treating it. And, and to me, it's like you know, if a lot of these clubs went out of business, there would be plenty more lined up to go ahead and move into the market. If the rules were different, if it wasn't a single entity, if it wasn't the way it's structured today, which is which is to me not the way it should be structured. It should be an open system um, and and allow it to be more capitalistic in terms of opportunities for clubs to move in or clubs to start up and and build their own team, build their own fan base, uh, start from the grassroots level rather than the top down. So for Robert to say, which I understand his, his opinion, but... I'm not going to drop drop it, put this to rest, just because I, I want I, I don't want to mess with the the multi billionaires and, and kind of mess with it, their system. If anything, I want to shake it up and, and start from the grassroots and support that level. I, I don't. Uh, the thing you and I fail fail to kind of comprehend, Chris, or not we comprehend it. I, I we fail to kind of understand is why there's such an affinity for these multi billionaires uh, among American soccer fandom. <laughs> Yeah. Why there's such a desire to protect these guys? Right, exactly, and I, and I think it is I mean, in many ways. You're that, protecting them from market forces, is what you're doing. You're, right. you're essentially uh, essentially allowing them to mitigate any sort of risk associated with investment. I, I think that it goes back to kind of the mentality of a lot of American investors. They want to mitigate risk, so yeah, uh, they which, want all these protections. And it's um, it's essentially a monopoly. I mean, if you're a professional soccer team in the United States. Well, well, well it is. It is. I mean, I, I, I want to just point out I, the NASL lawsuit, which we've talked about on the show before, I think it's still got incredible potential to shake up the system. Unfortunately, the NASL itself has been sacrificed in the process. But I, I think uh, you're going to find out that there there are uh, monopolistic uh, practices going on in, in U.S. soccer based on what comes out of that lawsuit. Yeah, and and my thing though too is um, what happens when the expansion fees run out. So whether it's for USL or for for Major League Soccer, 
and there's really no more cities to go into. Well, yeah, let me just jump in. Sorry, Chris, but our, our colleague, our, our friend Nipun Chopra, used to co-host the show, uh, has re- has a fantastic report about USL, their expansion fees, and how essentially all their revenue comes from that, uh, more or less. There's, uh, I, I would suggest people check it out on Sock Takes. just was published uh, yesterday, on Wednesday. Absolutely. All right, Robert. Well, good question. It got us fired up. Um, obviously, we don't dis- we, we don't agree on this one, uh, but let's move on. So we want to we we want you to have your say. So whether you agree or disagree with us, have any questions about streaming or watching soccer, uh, or about TV rights or about um, the future of uh, soccer in the United States, whatever it may be, um, as long as it relates to watching soccer on TV. Uh, online or apps, uh, let, let us know. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, the funny thing is, too, I just checked this week for the uh, reviews on the pod on the podcast on iTunes. At the last three reviews, we've gotten we've gotten one star out of five. I think we're upsetting a lot of people, um, and and I wear that as a, a badge of pride in that we can invoke such a reaction among soccer fans. Um, obviously, listeners don't always agree with uh, the points I make, and, and vice versa with you, Kartik. But we call it the way we see it. We're being as honest as can, can be. You're listening to us, and uh, if you met us in the bar or met us at the uh, the fan fest this weekend in Miami Beach. Uh, this is who we are. We're not putting on an act such as some of the, the TV personalities do, where they pick a side and, and uh, even though if they don't agree with it, they just pick it just to have a debate. All right, Kartik, uh, heading into this weekend, um, what should they do? Enjoy your football. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns